Welcome. This is Bleacher Blums, a sports podcast for baseball fans. Now here's David Tuttle and Astros master of banter, Blummer. Welcome back to another episode of Bleacher Blums. It is a new and exciting week. There is plenty going on within the world of baseball, and we will absolutely crush that out of the park, but we want to welcome everybody into the bleachers. I am Jeff Blum. I am a 14-year Major League veteran, current broadcaster for everybody, America's favorite team, the Houston Astros, and across the uh, across the divide to the left coast, we've got David Tuttle, for what you were a nine-year minor league veteran, played for Team USA, never quite got the break, but you've got a great personality, and that's why you're on this show. Uh, he was an all-American pitcher at Santa Clara University, and always great to have him on this podcast. And Tuttle, before we get started, I actually it's kind of ironic that I'm flipping through Instagram as I wake up and have my morning cup of coffee, and I'm flipping through, and it says, you know, my my 2021 appliance. It says, after two years, complete breakdown and replacement. But do you remember those 1970s refrigerators that are still in some of these homes that you flip through when you're looking at Redfin? Those were the ones that lasted for 450 years. They are, the, they are father time themselves. But somehow, someway, current appliance makers realized that if I make this last two to six, seven, eight years, They'll have to buy a new one, and we can continue that revenue stream. Isn't that genius as opposed to 1970 where everything was built out of steel and, like, no microchips, and it just lasted forever? We're no, what, can we go back to those days? I, you know, I would like it. I like the technology. I'm with you. Hello, Blummer. <laughs> Hello, uh, Bleacher Blum fans out there. Um, you know, it is. It's frustrating. Uh, so a little context, folks. Uh, we've had a little delay getting this <laughs> podcast started this morning. I'm waiting for the uh, GE service life. guys to it's run life. in. Uh, it's we life. love it. That's right. But the um, but your point is well taken. I, I remember my first car um, when I went to college. It was an old Jeep CJ5, like a 1977, 78 Jeep. Mm. Um, and, you know, you, you open the hood. Right now. Oh, I love it. But you open it and you could see <laughs> the ground. Like when you lift the hood, you could see the ground. You could see the six cylinders. Oh, yeah. You know, and you could, oh, there's a spark plug there. You could actually tweak it. I think car manufacturers, mm-hmm. fridge manufacturers, everybody has fallen kind of whether victim or at least use the same business model, where now it's all electronics. Like there you 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 take your car to the shop and they're like, all right, let me plug it in and runs the diagnostic. That's two hundred dollars <laughs> just to run the diagnostic. Nope, we didn't find any problem. So yeah, no, I I, I do I, the funny thing you bring this up is we have the old air quotes, the beer fridge in the garage. You know, it holds drinks and beers and other accoutrements. Just uh, basic, yeah. Yeah, I'm basic with, We stuff. have one of those too. And that is like the old 70s fridge you're bringing up, and that's the one that's always working. It. It's like, hey, <laughs> we got to save this food from this, you know, this built-in fridge we got. Let's take it out to old, you know, granny fridge in the garage, and it works like a champ. So it's kind of like, hmm, what are we doing here? Like, why aren't we smart enough to figure out that that fridge should come back in the house? We should buy two more fridges like it and then, you know, deal with life <laughs> in a much simpler way. I'm with you, Blummer. But, you know, but then you couldn't get yeah. your grocery list synced to your phone from your fridge and then, you know, tell it tell it when the temperature's dropping. So, you know, it's really important I mean, stuff. These, these first world problems are real, yeah, man. they are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think uh, the fact that we're doing a podcast is a, like uh, and and airing our first world problems. Like we're allowed to tell you guys all our problems here. All they do after this is upload it, and boom, the world hears it. So yeah, it's technology is helping, amazing. and yeah, curse and a blessing. Well. Let's be brutally honest. We have the technology, fortunately, because of Blue Wire and my agent pushing certain buttons and the affluency that we have earned to be able to buy the the particular microphones. But we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for our good buddy, Mark Ramos, because we have have podcasts that are on podcast land of me trying to edit and us trying to figure out sound levels. And it's awesome if you really want to go back to... The beginnings of Bleacher Blums. We are what 144 now, and there were a good 120 of them that were, <laughs> that were a little sketchy to say the least. Hey, you know, if you you got to learn, right? I mean, we all learn through through experience. Oh. So, I, I mean, it's the best thing I've done. It's a great time, and it actually feels this week more than others. Like I haven't seen you in a while. So, here you are taking a hiatus from your actual real job. 162 games behind the mic. 162 games. Let me say that clearly yeah. behind the mic and. Now you're here, like on the Bleacher Blums podcast. You got a lot to say today, I bet. 
Dude, it's been a crazy week. It had the reason I think it feels like we haven't chatted in a while or haven't communicated. Granted, there's been some texts every now and then and a phone call, but at the same time, I feel like so much has happened within our world because you know this podcast is a couple of dads watching baseball, talking baseball with our history in the game and trying to bring some of that knowledge to the forefront or maybe look at things a little, little bit different angle. But dude, there has been a lot of baseball going this week. And that's basically what we have on tap brought to you by St. Arnold. Uh, the Pumpkinator just came out. And I'm going to go grab some of this because when you get out here, Tuttle, or if I'm able to get it to you, might be one of the best seasonal beers I've ever had in my life is the Pumpkinator from St. Arnold. But we have got news. I'm going to break Tuttle's heart to start this uh, to start this <laughs> podcast. And it kind of breaks my heart a little bit, too, is you know the, a matchup that we desperately wanted be, for several reasons. We'll get into that. But uh, it really affected Tuttle because he was cheering his brains out again. And then we've got the Braves. We've got the Dodgers. We've got the Astros. We've got uh, you know the, the Red Sox. The, the way these series are starting to unfold has been remarkable. Uh, there's some backstories. There's a couple of underlying things that I actually want to talk to Tuttle about because a lot of it has to do with pitching. And this might be one of the first postseasons where I really feel like the offenses have overwhelmed pitching, but there have been some key managerial decisions that I think we want to talk about. And then we are going to get into maybe a what'll Tuttle say. I don't know how bitter you are this week or what's happened, but uh, there is a big <laughs> matchup happening over the weekend that we will update you on that you don't want to miss. But Tuttle, get the tissue, yeah. get the band-aids, whatever it is that gets you through this Dude, the Giants lost a heartbreaker to the Dodgers in that division series. How are we feeling? What were your thoughts? What did you see? What are, what are the emotions? Break it down for us, man. Yeah, you know, I wish I was more emotional at this point. I, I think uh, <laughs> I no, I, I was. I think I mentioned uh, last podcast we were kind of on the precipice of thinking what's going to happen. Um, you know, 109 wins each. They were in the they were in the throes of it. Um, I don't think you ever said whether that was a check swing or not, but uh, I think we all agree that it, it was, was a not. check swing. There's no way. What? He checked. Well, I mean, what, it depends. Yes. It was not a swing. It was yeah, a check okay. swing, I should Thank say. You. Let me clarify. It was not a swing. We touched on it last week and we kind of glossed over it, but I don't think you had ever, uh, you know, put your put your stamp on what your opinion was. We should was. have glossed over it because that yeah. was bullshit. That, yeah, was a, that but, was a bad call. But I think what I was going to say is that I don't think that won or lost anything. I mean, you know, late night Lamont almost pulled his magic trick. And if he did, that's exactly how the Giants should have won and should have carried on. Right. I do think, yeah. you know, for a team that was predicted to win 75 games this year, um, there's a lot of good things in store. And, you know, this game, you know, this is a grinding grit game. I mean, I you know, Gabe Kapler was not I played with him a little bit way back when. He was not my favorite uh, manager when he was with the Phillies. And all of a sudden, he's my favorite manager. I mean, he grabbed the mic when they won the uh, division. He spoke to all the, you know, the, the Giants fans and uh, talked about the heart of the team. And I just, you know, it, that's the modern day thing. You don't have to be an analytics guy, but the modern day thing is being in touch with your players, maybe especially in San Francisco, sharing your feelings. Um, you know, the little touchy feelies. Uh, I really, I really feel like he pushed all the right buttons this year and they should be around. The problem is, and this is kind of leading to an answer to your question. I'm not heartbroken, but I do feel like you had 300 win teams in major leagues this year, the Rays, the Giants and the Dodgers. And we're seeing it with the Dodgers. Now the Dodgers still may squeak into the world series. And I know we'll touch on that, but that, that war of attrition, man, winning 107 games, 106 games. This, this reminds me of the Warriors that one year trying to beat the Bulls, you know, the regular season record, and they got it, and then they fell apart in the in the playoffs and the championship. And I think mm -hmm. that that's what we see with the Dodgers and the Giants. And you get a new manager with the Padres. You get those pitchers healthy, Snell and some of the other guys. Now, all of a sudden, you have three out of probably five or six best teams in baseball all in one division. You know, you can have Astros, Yankees, um, Astros, Yankees, oh, Red man. Sox, Rays are the other four. And then those three teams, out of those seven teams, those are going to be your World Series champions for years to come if they stay healthy. And I think having the Padres, Giants, and, and uh, Dodgers all in the same division, that's what makes me nervous, actually, about being a Giants fan. And you've said this before. You know, you got to take advantage of the the opportunity when it presents itself because you just don't know when it's going to happen again. And this year's magic did die um, with uh, 
with the Dodgers and, and uh, Cody Bellinger. But, um, you know, I, I took the practical approach. I mean, I think they gave everything they had. It was a 1-1 game late. Um, and we touched on this last time as well. Logan Webb, I mean, when he wasn't on the mound. Oh, yeah, but when he wasn't on the mound, I mean, they, the Giants were average against the Dodgers specifically. So, um, you know, I think yep. it'll work itself out. Yeah, no, I mean, we probably you could spend a podcast talking about Logan Webb. It would be wonderful to, to even just talk to that guy because, it, I mean, if there's a guy who epitomizes what a local hometown hero type kid can pitch for his hometown team in the biggest moments, that dude stepped up. And what I love about that, and I actually, you know, there's something else I want to talk about later on, maybe later on, or we can just kind of peel into it right here, is that Logan Webb's style of pitching it was very unique considering the way this game is being played this day and age or being pitched. Uh, and I want to have you talk about that a little bit if you can, because we've kind of seen this evolution of the game where hitters are starting to develop more of an uppercut, trying to lift the ball and not hit so many ground balls. And the way that pitchers have competed with that is throwing the forcing fastball elevated in the zone and getting them to pop it up or swing and miss it. Cause it's tough to create an uppercut to hit a pitch up in the zone, but there's a pitch down in the zone that you have to really get under and try and lift. And it's extremely hard to do. And Logan Webb proved this. Uh, Fromber Valdez proves this. Lance McCullers Jr. proves this. It's it's still a good two-seam fastball. Blake Trine is another guy that comes to mind. Uh, one of the setup guys for the Dodgers. That, that nasty two-seamer that can run in the mid-90s is, I think that pitch might be coming back if you can teach a guy to get it on the plate and Logan Webb perfected that. And I think that's why he was so damaging against the Dodgers, who are a kind of a lift and separate, elevate to the pull side. They couldn't figure that thing out, dude. That thing was wicked moving all over the place. Then the change up and the, the turbo slider every once in a while. And that's what I've seen with Framber Valdez, who gets out of, da- out of traffic with the ground ball double play is that two-seamer might be sneaking back into into the game a little bit to combat some of these fly ball hitting teams. Uh, do you have any thoughts on the two-seam fastball? And everybody thought it was going by the wayside, but we've seen three pitchers in the playoffs have a lot of success with it. I, you know, I that's a great question. I mean, I think what happens is just as you mentioned with the swing, the lift and separate swing with a little bit of an uppercut, these kids air quotes, kids that are coming into the big leagues are all doing these perfect game tournaments. Many of them had Tommy John already. They're just high velo. I mean, they're going velocity. Oh, now this guy's throwing 98. I got to throw 98, 99. I'm going to go to these pitching things. But real pitchers, you know, Maddox, the old Maddox guy. I mean, I was never a power four seam guy. I was a sinker guy. And you'll see the guys that if that was their strength, I mean, I I don't think it ever went away. What I'm thinking about, it, it goes away because of the development of the young kids, right? They always say, like, everybody wants to be Steph Curry this day. So we watch lift and mm-hmm. separate swing guys, right? You see your Joey Gallows of the world and all these guys change it. So that's what I want to be, and that's what they're teaching, and that's what they're coaching, and that's what they're developing. I see the same thing with the pitching, right? Yep. Yeah. It's well, it's always dollars, but yeah. So you're going to get put on the 40 man roster and you're going to be a late inning guy. If you're throwing 98, 99, hundred, I mean, every guy coming out of the bullpen is throwing 95, 96, four seamers, but you also see hitters turning them around. And there's a couple of factors, you know, they're reading it right out of the hand now, which, you know, increases velocity because it'll lose velocities at head toward the plate. But all these guys are throwing hard four seamers. You also see hitters going all right they just turn it around Mm -hmm. i mean it's amazing bellinger hit that ball the other night off luke jackson 96 97 he had thrown two fastballs right by him yeah and he you know he hit it but it was straight it was up and it was straight and i just think you can never let rick peterson the old pitching coach of the a's had a conversation with him in the past velocity is really important to get drafted but after that it's movement location you know, type of pitch mm-hmm. and velocity. I mean, all four of those factors. And sometimes you know this, um, you know, velocity isn't the most important thing. It's kind of like movement and no. location. So if I can go, you know, inner half with a good sinker and get it in there, like you said, for a strike and control it, then I can, you know, use the outer half with a little cutter that way. And you just start throwing. And, and that goes to that cool technology you see. And I bet if we did this with Logan Webb and a couple other guys, uh, Fromber probably, you know, where they throw the ball out of the same arm slot and then they show what the different Mm -hmm. pitches do. I think that's what Logan Webb's biggest weapon is. He's got that three-quarter arm slot and that fastball is pretty hard, 94. 
but he throws the changeup right out of the same arm slot. That's what really, I mean, you're a hitter. That's what confuses hitters. Oh. The movement's brutal, but if it's straight every time out of there, then you're just dealing with uh, speed, right? So if it's, it's, if it's, yeah. you know, a straight fastball and a straight change, you're like, okay, now I got to figure out which pitch he's throwing. If it's a 94 mile an hour sinker and then a sinker change and then everything's moving, you guys, you got to contend with a lot of variables there as a hitter. And I think if it's going by the wayside, it shouldn't. And just way, the way all these trends kind of come full circle, we're still going to see these high velocity and uppercut swing guys. But again, you know, the Logan Webbs of the world are having results. And I think you'll see a trend kind of toward that, at least the pitching style. No, I think you're. I think you're right because a lot of young eyes are going to be on these games and they're going to go, "How is this guy doing it?" And then all of a sudden, somebody's going to say two seam fastball and they're going to grab the two seam and throw that as hard as they can. And you're going to see the movement that some of these guys get and realize the velocity with movement. A bruised right. arm Gratterall coming out of the bullpen for mm-hmm. the Dodgers throwing a hundred mile an hour sinker. I mean, that, then you're going to go, "Oh, wait a minute! I have the power arm." And I can get the power movement out of it. And then it's a yeah. whole nother animal you're trying to deal with. And to Tuttle's point, you know, it was back with Hank Aaron days. There was an interview. You know, he said he sat off speed because he could hit the fastball. He didn't have to worry about that. It wasn't even a thought process. And he said, if it's straight, I could put wood on a bullet. And that's kind of how I think a lot of guys get to the big leagues is the ability to hit the fastball, but you have to adjust to the spin or the changeup. And I think that's why the changeup should be one of those pitches that's maybe a little more effective because it looks so similar to the fastball out of the hand and you can't pick up the rotation. you got to judge velocity and that's hard to do in 60 feet, six inches. And that's what makes those two pitches highly effective and why Logan Webb was so effective as he was. I do think I do think the trend is going to be what you just said. I mean, because these pitchers, you were talking about hitters get to the big leagues hitting the fastball. Pitchers get to the big leagues with velocity. Mm-hmm. And then they learn how to pitch. And you see some of these guys coming out of the bullpen. And you're like, oh, my God, this guy's throwing 98. And they're like, he has a 4.2 ERA. You know, he's got a strikeout per inning and a walk, you know, maybe two to one ratio. And you're like, how does he have a four ERA? He's throwing 98. And you realize he got there with velocity. And now he's learning how to pitch in the big leagues. And I think to your point, Webb already knows how to pitch. The Trinan, yep. when Trinan throws what he throws, I mean, he's, I think Ron Darling said it there tonight, oh, Blake Trinan showed us that he's human. You know, it's like, yeah, he's he's mortal. <laughs> like when he he's six foot five and he throws a 98 mile an hour sinker, like his numbers are 0.98, not 4.18. Like, I mean, these guys have mm-hmm. learned and and they seem to be like you said i mean having the power arm with the capability to throw strikes with a sinker and all that is is certainly unique and we don't want to take away from the tip of the spear that these guys are but i mean i i do think in the playoffs you're going to have to see guys like that and people like you said web trying and guys like that will mimic that more than they will guys just throwing you know as absolutely hard as they can and the weird thing is the the pitching and defense that we've talked about has actually gone to the back seat i think you touched on that's taken a back seat in these playoffs and i think a lot of that has to do with some of the moves they've made and not sticking with those guys i agree we'll talk a little bit more about those moves after this word from our sponsors we are back and i want to thank our sponsors for getting on there blue wire doing a good job of uh, getting us out there and keeping us going and funding this wonderful project known as bleacher blums you can find tuttle on twitter at real david tuttle uh, he's a pretty good follow and uh, pretty responsive, actually. You've been good on that the last couple of weeks uh, as far as Twitter's concerned. Uh, you can find myself at Blummer27 on Twitter and on Instagram. Very interesting follow on Instagram because my wife is always encouraging me to act like the 12-year-old that I am. And, of course, you can find at Bleacher Blums on both Twitter and Instagram to get updates, some funny videos, and to continue to f- see what we're doing. We also have a YouTube channel that's going to show some of these short clips and give you an idea of what's happening behind the scenes maybe when you watch us talk a little bit, but everything's to encourage you to go and listen to Bleacher Blum. So make sure you tell your friends, rate, subscribe, review, excuse me. Maybe I can get a throat lozenge into this whole thing. Why does my voice only go out? (laughs) I was going to say, why is your podcast? I know, but why is your voice going out anyway? You were stupid. I'm a pro talker. (laughs) Yeah. That's what I say. You're a pro talker, but you've had two weeks off, right? I mean, you've only been watching games. You haven't been commentating on games. So you're, you're not in game shape. I'm a mess. Eh, You're not in game shape, Blummer. You're not. Totally off season shape. 
Speaking of a, a, a good follow, uh, you've been you've been uh, excellent in keeping me uh, kind of on track with uh, some of the following and the Twitters and the Instagrammers and all that stuff. But uh, yeah, your wife does a good job of putting like either retweeting or re-Instagramming <laughs> your clips, regramming your clips. Um, I did want to just thank you again for uh, for bringing me along on this ride, and it's great that uh, you've had a couple weeks off because you're sharp today. You're sharp and you're on fire, and it's good stuff. You're my boy, Blue. You're my boy. So we talked about trends just before that break. Uh, the two-seam fastball, I think Tuttle and I agree with the velocity, maybe be able to get back in the game. But there there are a couple of things. There's one thing that's actually been happening in this postseason that I find fascinating. And it, a lot of it has to do because I'm following the Astros intently because I want them to succeed. The more they succeed, the better our organization uh, does and uh, the more engaged I get to be. But I think we're seeing it a little bit with uh, the Dodgers and Braves series, too, is this bullpenning, this idea of bullpenning. And it really kind of hit me last night as I'm watching the Dodgers uh, you know, beat the Braves and, and get, get back in that series three to two is – Everybody talked about the Braves. Oh, they've got Max Freed going, and the Dodgers have to go with a bullpen game before they get to Max Scherzer and uh, and Walker Buehler. And I'm sitting there going, well, the game previous, when the Braves lit it up, obviously the offense did extremely well, but they threw their bullpen out there, and they won the game. Last night, everybody said Max Freed was going to go out there and shove because you know they finally get back to that starter. But I'm beginning to notice including some of the Astro games where they've actually had to bullpen because the bullpen, the bullpen before Framber Valdez in the Houston Astros series had thrown, I think three quarters of the innings in that series going into that game for Framber Valdez game. What was it? Game five, the Astros starting pitchers, I believe up until that point had thrown six and two thirds innings in, in four games. That's not a recipe to win in the past, but the Astros have gone out with their bullpen, stated games. Their offense picks them up, scores a ton of runs. They end up winning. When we saw it yesterday with the Dodgers bullpen against the Braves, yes, Joe Kelly gave up a couple of runs early in that game before coming out with an injury, I think. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't really read and kept up on what uh, actually happened last night. But the bullpen shoved the rest of the way. I've, I've got an idea of what it does to offenses, but what are you seeing, Tuttle? And do you think bullpenning is – actually helping win some of these games in these series? Joe Kelly hurt his mustache, I think. Um, so I, I <laughs> they, they I mean, should. It, of all the guys to have a Doc Holiday looking mustache, yeah. why did it have to be him? Yeah, I know. He's kind of a, he's, he's know, kind of a pain know. in the butt. Anyway, uh, I have a stat for you. You love the analytics. That's why you tune into Bleacher Blums. Here's a stat that I heard yesterday uh, on MLB radio. Uh, so before yesterday's games, all the playoffs, division series, uh, through the uh, NLCS and ALCS to this point, all the starters innings pitched, 69 innings starters. Holy. I know. 69 innings for the starters. Like, what? So You had me at 69, I, dude. Nice. And hey, there you go. Boom. <laughs> hey, uh, so what's funny about that, I mean, there's so many. This is playoff baseball. I mean, I sound like, playoffs? We're going to get that edit in there. Playoffs? Don't talk about it. Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? Um, you know, it's like I what's happening? Nolan Ryan's probably like turning the TV off. You know, any of these guys, Nolan Ryan and Roger Clemens and I mean, you know, Madison Bumgarner. I mean, Max Scherzer, I don't know if he really wanted to come out of the game or he was just defending Doc Roberts, but I agree. He was basically saying, Yeah, four and a third, I was done, man. I came in the other day. It's like, no, like even Verlander, I mean, he's got to be cringing watching this. Like mm -hmm. Verlander would be like, dude, I'm not coming out till the eighth inning. Like, I don't even want to see you. I mean, unless I've given up 10 runs. Like, yeah. if it's. Eric Cole came out of his start early. He was getting hit. Around. It's amazing. Yeah. It's like, I would be like, Booney, like, turn around and go back. That's why you guys <laughs> paid me $300 million. I mean, I know it doesn't work that way. But I and I I, I kind of teed this up before the podcast and when I was running back and forth between the the refrigerator repair guy and others. But um, I mean Dave Roberts last year I thought was really close to losing his job. You know they won seven National League mm -hmm. West titles in a row and you know they were almost about to get knocked out by the Braves and Mookie Betts made the catch by the wall and they won that game and you know the rest is history. But a sixty game season winning a World Series like. 
the expectations once they beat the Giants are that they're going to win. And yeah, they're a little worn out mentally and it's a tough, you know, it's a tough season here going to, you know, head to head with the Giants every day. But Dave Roberts, his, his pitching changes have been very questionable and you just see the trend in the games. That's all teams. So that's Braves, Dodgers, Giants mm-hmm. in the division series. I mean, the trend is to take your pitchers out, your starting pitchers, or have that starter go um, an inning like Joe Kelly, like you said. But 69 innings for your starters in all of the playoff games to this point uh, prior to yesterday, that's too few. You, I, you're asking about the recipe, and you have some thoughts, I know, around – I mean – you know, this is where the analytics come in two times through the lineup and they're batting 198. Third time through the lineup, they bat 420. And you're like, all right, we got to get them out. It's like, that's what the analytics say. But if he's cruising along, I mean, they left Charlie Morton in the other night. And granted, they didn't win, but he gave up two runs early. But he goes seven innings, they're up four to two. The Bellinger thing, you know, obviously turned that game around. But I mean, they they stuck with Morton and I was proud of them. I mean, that was that was a great decision, right? You got seven innings out of Morton. So I mean, I think the trend is doing that. So this isn't just blaming Doc Roberts or anybody else, but 69 innings out of all your starters, where did the mentality switch? I mean, get your Verlander, get your Cole, get your Nolan Ryan and let them carry you to a World Series championship because they want that. Scherzer, why did you trade for Scherzer if you're going to take him out after four innings? Why do you trade for him? I'm with you. That, that was the first thought I had when he came out after four and a third. And I agree that he he did a very good job in his post-game press conference, kind of saying I had dead arm, I was, I was struggling. I needed to come out. I don't know that that kind of goes against the grain of the Max Scherzers that we've heard in the past where he's like, you know, he's on the mound and he's waving guys back, you know, pulling the Mike Messina where he's like, get the F back in the dugout kind of thing. And it's kind of gone by the wayside. And I don't know it's because if it's because hitters are getting better or because everybody is so max effort, pardon the pun with Max Scherzer talk, but everybody has maximum effort when they're throwing the baseball. So they're just, I'm going to grunt it out as as hard as I can for an inning or two, and then I'm going to get taken out of the game and pass the baton to the next guy who's going to go out there and grunt and throw as hard as he can, and hopefully he gets through a couple of innings. But, you know, if this is the trend, I mean, it's going to be amazing to see how some of these rosters shake out because there are going to be some arms that are gassed. You can't ask – I don't – maybe I'm wrong, but you can only ask these guys to go back-to-back days and throw as hard as they can so often. You're going to see guys, you know, these three-game middle of the of the uh, series three-game trips into these cities where you have to throw play three games in a row. I don't know if these guys have the stamina or or the ligament dexterity to be able to go max effort three days in a row. I think you're going to see guys go two ga- two games max before they have to have that day or two off. Luckily, the playoffs, uh, the way the scheduling is, allows them those built-in days off to give them the time to recover. But I just don't see how that sustains itself. I think it's only a playoff type thing because if you do this in the regular season, the re- the, the revolving door in your bullpen is going to be unbelievable on how many guys you have to use to get through a regular season. So you still have to find a way to rely on some of these guys that can go five, six, seven innings. And I don't think that you can get rid of the idea of having those starters go deep in games because burnout is going to happen. And if you start to say, all I want from you, Johnny, is to go out there and give me two innings. And that's, you know, on a good day, it's 30 pitches. On a bad day, it's 40 to 50 pitches. And if you're throwing every pitch as hard as you possibly can, both the fastball and the and the spin, dude, that's going to lead to some damage and some wear and tear over the course of a season. I just don't see how it sustains itself. But I do see it working in the playoffs because as a hitter, when I'm trying to game plan, it's much easier for me to go, okay, In my first at bat, Max Scherzer got me with this. He set me up with this, started me with this. Okay, my next at bat, I can make the adjustment. And if he does the same thing, I'm like, okay, I'm on to his tendencies. By that third at bat, maybe I've got a better chance. But when I'm facing Joe Bag of Donuts in in innings one and two, and I only get one at bat against him before I got to go up against Slappy McGee, I have no idea what my game plan is. And I've got to hope for the best and hope I get a mistake in those opportunities. And I think that's why the bullpen's working in the playoffs. You know, it's funny though, a little counter to that is 
what I thought about, and you said Slappy McGee, I mean, in the playoffs, like Blake Trinan and these guys they're bringing out and Kenley Jansen and, you know, I mean, you know, uh, they're not really Slappy McGee's anymore. And what I was going to say is that you... They're wipeout. They're wipeout. And, and, you know, uh, Josh Hader, guys like this. I mean, this is wipeout, guys. You want to get to them. But the more you bring them in, the more fatigued they are. You talked about Max Scherzer. And the more you get to see them. So film is one thing, right. but you get to see these guys. So, oh, you know, he shut me, you know, he punched me out on three pitches last night, but he went slider, slider, fastball up, or he punched me out doing this, or like all the same Great. analytics that you just brought up with the starting pitcher. You're bringing these guys in two, three, four days in a row. We saw with Aroldis Chapman with the Cubs, Joe Madden was going to ride him to the championship. And Rajay Davis said, mm, I don't think we want to do this. And it's like, all right, now you're seeing this guy who's throwing a hundred and he's basically unhittable. You're seeing him for the fifth night in a row and he's throwing about 96 and you know, he likes to throw that slider and maybe you get a tell. Uh, we've talked about guys having a tell or a little cheat. Like Eduardo Perez was fantastic yep. at doing that. He had a great reputation for doing that. So that's not cheating. You're not using video, but these guys get tells. Like, you know, it's one thing to watch a guy in video and have analytics, but man, you don't want to throw Ryan Presley every night. Like, keep the mystery there. Like, only bring mm -hmm. him in when True. you know you need the game to close out. And I mean, I just think that's the other part of this. Like, we're getting all yeah. slap happy with, like you said, let's bring in all these guys. Well, great. Now you know you're going to face Gratterall, and now you're going to face Jansen, and you're going to face uh, face Trinan. Trinan, you know, the Braves got to him a couple times, and now they have confidence. And it's like, all right, if you want to use that recipe. I think the Braves would take a 3-2 game in the eighth inning and bring in Trinan and Jansen, and you know they got a chance. So I just you want to ride those horses as long as you can. And I I still yelling at my TV, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> like they took Snell out. The Rays took Snell out last year, right? Oh. After six scoreless innings or something. It was like, just let him go out there. Just let yeah. him go out there. If he's fatigued or if he gives up a hit, then take him out. But, you know, I just, I don't like the trend. 69 st innings. I mean, Madison Bumgarner threw 69 innings winning the World Series in 2014 <laughs> by himself. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I, it just, yes. all the starters have thrown 69 innings. I wonder if they even counted. I wonder if they were using the starter count or if they even counted like Eovaldi coming out the other yeah. night. You know, it's like, yeah, the opener. But, you know, it's great to bring Evaldi in. That's what the playoffs were used to. You know, he threw six innings or five innings, three runs his first start. Um, you know, he was a close pitch on Castro uh, away from uh, away from getting out of that inning. But, you know, I just think mm -hmm. that's the way starters should be used in the playoffs. Your best pitchers have to be out there. And, you know, we're going to see Evaldi again. Um, that's a topic. It may not be for what will Tuttle say. This just popped him up into my mind, but that's what we're on this podcast for. Mm -hmm. um, we were making fun of uh, Joe West and Tom Hallian and Angel Hernandez, and I cannot believe Laz Diaz is still umpiring in the big leagues. He was one dude, of the umpires that I had when I was my playing. Because I circled umpiring uh, on my sheet. But dude, you the up. umpiring, umpiring uh, is has been really suspect. It's been shitty. Well, and it's funny because we talked about the check swing and we talked about Hallian zone and you know the pitch that Eovaldi threw. I actually don't think it was a strike, so I'm not arguing that. But it was earlier in the game. So as a hitter and a catcher and every, it's like, what are you doing? I just <laughs> think it's challenging. And I mean, these are supposed to be the best of the best. But they're not. I know. That's, that's the issue I have. I don't know. I don't. They don't, I don't do it based on metrics. They just do it based know. on seniority. Joe West and Laz Diaz are behind the plate during like these elimination Andrew games. Like, Joe West game. is. He called it for the Giants. So how do I? I don't That's, understand. And I want that be transparent. I think if you were transparent, and I think <laughs> and there's a reason why they are probably not transparent, yeah. is because they don't want to expose how bad these guys are. But guess what? The guy who called the check swing, Gabe Morales. He's not doing any more baseball right now, no. and he may not. Yep. But I think that you know the teams that get to the playoffs play well enough to get in the playoffs. So why can't that be the same thing for the umpiring crews? Earn earn the right to get to the playoffs. And I know that the you know the, the wild card division series are going to be expanding. Whatever you know, there's going to be a dilution towards the end, like at the beginning of it. But by the time you get to these championship series, you better have the 16 best umpires in Major League Baseball calling these games. And by the time you get to the World Series, it better be the elite of the elite calling those games because everything is riding on these games, man. 
that's what every other league does. I read a fantastic article on the English Premier League about how these guys get their schedule like a month ahead of time. And like some guys won't ever call Arsenal games again. He's from Arsenal or he's from 10 miles outside there of you go. where Arsenal, he grew up an Arsenal fan. He'll never ref one of their games, especially when it means something. They have a, a spreadsheet that must just be like, no, this guy knows this guy and his cousin grew up there. They have seven really good referees in the Premier League. Those guys have a rotating schedule. And guess what? When they get uh, when they get reprimanded or they make a bad call, they get a they have a conference call the next day, and they have a like an evaluation system. And that that guy can't ref the game. The NFL does it. The playoffs are coming. Mm-hmm. All right, this is how we get the playoffs. And then the best of the best, and then the guy gets the Super Bowl is the best referee on the year based on a metric, based on a tangible like uh, statistical system. I do not know how baseball does it. I am not advocating for replay. We said this before. I actually know, and you do too, we know the big leaguers could actually tell you who their 16 best umpires are. 100%. Like you could you could list it off. Yep. You could go boom. And I guarantee you, if you went down the clubhouse of 25 dudes and said, hey, Hoffy, who's your favorite guy? Like, who's the best guy? Well, so this true. guy, this guy, and this guy. Hey, Blummer, who's the best guy? Okay, Biz, who's the best guy? You That consensus would be maybe like 20 to 22 umpires. And you could narrow that down to 16. We all know who they are. And if you played, you know who they are. And we've told some stories on here about guys that, you know, fish eye in, like guys are testing you. And Joe West has been testing guys for 40 years in the big leagues. <laughs> I mean, and he's a, he's a, he's terribly inconsistent. And that is the most annoying thing about an umpire. If I Absolutely. hit my spot there every time, I just want it to be the same. Are you going to call a ball every time when I throw it there? Okay. It's I have to make the, the adjustment. If, yep, David, if David Tuttle is getting that call as a hitter consistently, I know he's getting that call. But if you deviate off that and give him more, that's what pisses me off. At least as you want to know where to throw to, I want to know where to protect. You know, uh, speaking of which, this makes me laugh because I was watching the uh, uh, Braves and uh, and Dodgers the other night. But uh, the conversations have become some. There's some guys that don't ever ask the umpire anything. But I, again, I think it was Ron Darling. The TBS has got Braves, Dodgers, right? And mm-hmm. then Fox yeah. has the other, yeah, oof, has yeah. the Astros. Uh, oof, yeah, there you go. I don't, I don't mind Joe Buck, but uh, Ozzy Albie's the ball almost hit his back foot. Ron Darling pointed out, were you watching at that time? I didn't see that. He's one. like, and Albie's like. Oh yeah, but he puts his head down and he's talking to the umpire and Ron Darling's like, do you think he's asking if that was a strike? It almost hit his shoe. <laughs> like, you know, sometimes they're just up there shooting the breeze, you know, because you'll say, hey, is that as far out as you're going, right? If the guy paints the outsider, is it going to be out further? And you know how all those con- conversations go, but some guys don't like to talk to the umpires. It was just really funny because it's like, why are you striking up a conversation? I mean, if he, you know, it almost bounced off the dirt and hit you in the shoe. You're like, hey, do you have that down, you know, ump? Do you have that down, yeah, Blue? That, that was a little off the plate, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And that's not a time to ask that question. So I thought it was funny, you know, as you just go go well, back and know. forth. I but mean, yeah, I just hitter hitters yeah. are, and catchers are. I mean, who knows what's going through their skulls at yeah. times, man? It's funny. You're right. Well, you know, and sometimes that's how you break the tension, right? You're on the mound, oh, you're yeah. out there by yourself, just like in your own head. It's like I need someone to talk to. Hey, third baseman, come over here and get some rosin. What what are we doing here? But uh, yeah, it's funny that you circled umpires. I appreciate you putting that up. I mean, every professional organization and maybe Major League Baseball does as well has an evaluation system. I just, Mm -hmm. let's implement it. Like we keep talking about replay. We don't need replay. We just need the best guys you know, to get, get right to the first to, time and you don't need replay. No, that's right. And, and there are really good umpires. I mean, there are guys, you know, the zone, oh, yeah. um, I can't even name them, but like the only, this is like Yelp, you know, the only time you write a review for <laughs> a restaurant for is when it's one star and they gave you the shittiest, like, re, you know, that was the worst restaurant I ever had. You never, I rarely would get on there and go, Oh yeah, it's five stars. But on TV, it's the same thing. If the guy has a really good zone and the game is flowing along, you won't even know. You know, it's like the old, uh, you don't even notice him until the seventh or eighth mm-hmm. inning. And you're like, oh, the umpire's done a really good job. It's two and a half hours in, both pitchers and catchers and hitters seem happy. Must have been a good game. Yeah. And I and you can't bitch about one pitch. You know, the ash, I mean, that was one pitch that was up and away. It was a mistake curveball that kind of gravitated back towards the zone and maybe caught the upper edge a couple of seams or two. But, you know, there's plenty of calls earlier in the game that weren't called that didn't have an impact. It's because that next pitch had an impact for the Astros that everybody in Boston's bitching about. Correct. But nobody talks about the pitch that was missed to Eloy Jimenez in the first series against the Astros where he That's hit a right. bomb the next pitch <laughs> and they win the game. Right. So, I mean, 
it happens all no, throughout agree. the course of the season, but it's magnified in the postseason. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, you know, and that that's why you asked me about Flores check swing. I mean, that's not what won or lost the game. Yeah. You know, it would have been great if Le- Lamont Wade's ball went out and it didn't, but you know, I, I think the Giants would agree. Yeah, that's a crummy call, but that's not why they lost to the Dodgers on a check swing when, mm-hmm. you know, all year long you have those things. And that's actually, you know, maybe that's bad umpiring and they didn't check it out, but you know, that kind of stuff happens. So like you said, let's not get up in arms about one pitch or one call or one check swing. Let's get up in arms about the consistency of having kind of the best guys on the field. Um, you know, here's a here's a topic I wrote down earlier that I hadn't thought of, but uh, the Dodgers fans out here, of course, they were down 3-1 before yesterday's game. Now they're down 3-2. And, you know, I think they have a lot of confidence having um, Scherzer and Bueller ready to go. But Dodgers fans out here yesterday were just talking about how it's all Dodgers, the playoffs, because Jock Peterson is raking and he's a Dodger and Kike Hernandez is raking for the uh, Red Sox, you know, hitting close to 500. Kike Hernandez has been around. He's just a he's a he's a great 24th, 25th guy and he can play anywhere. Um, but I just think it's funny. That's yeah. If you got to fall back when you're down three one, you're going to take credit for Jock Peterson raking and uh, Kike Hernandez having a series of his life. So, well, that's what happens when you let those guys go. So you, you so you can sign Justin Turner or trade for Max Scherzer and trade Turner. You know, sign a Mookie Betts. That's, right. that's why you have guys mm-hmm. that are good that you had to let go because you felt like you were getting something better. Uh, you you mm-hmm. know. Uh, there, there's something that has cropped up. What I was going to say, speaking of letting someone go, and maybe this is where you're headed, the Correa thing. Um, oh, yeah. I just it's wanted to ask the, you a couple it's questions. It's going to be the New York Astros here pretty soon. Yeah, so you think that's where he's going to go. That's what they said. Is his agent Boris or no? I don't know, to be honest with you. I know that he's oh, talked, okay. he's had Good. A-Rod advising him on some stuff, but I can't remember exactly who his, oh. who his agent is. I'm not, I don't think it's Boris. That's who I want. Sure. Let's call That's who I want advising me, yeah. A-Rod. Hey, Jesus. what kind of business decisions do you want to make? Hey, Blummer, we're thinking of bringing you on as the uh, a national broadcaster with Fox. I want you to meet A Rod. He's got some good advice for you. Like, I'm good. I'm anyway, I just no. That, I, know. That, that, I mean, I understand. I'm not getting just, anywhere near that guy. Well, in order to make yeah. that Fox broadcast, apparently you need to steroid up. So, I mean, obviously, yeah, I didn't make I that guess. adjustment. Never thought it. Oh no. Man, you had to say that. I can't believe you said that guy. Uh, you flustered oh. me by saying A Rod in our podcast. It's frustrating. Oh, you um, said it. You, you brought said it up. It. I said I Correa. You said I said it. Correa. No, you. You. This is like arguing with my kid. Yeah. I said Correa is his agent, Boris. I don't know what's happening. You said New York, and no, you said, I, said I think A Rod's advising him. I said Lame Rod. Oh, thank you. I missed that. I was talking about Aaron Rodgers. Do you have Aaron Rodgers this year? Oh, anyway. yeah. oh there you go. All right. Oh, so I, I just, yeah, there you go. Anyway, so I, I so we don't have to get on that, but you, you we don't even know what's going to happen with Correa. So no, let's really get, let's don't. get back on topic. I just no, I would, you I, just I, said I guys are leaving. I th- I seriously think there's certain guys in the league in talking about Correa. Maybe I mean this will be an off season hot stove, you know, bleacher blum style. But Correa is a guy where if you signed him and you jacked the, the ticket prices, I think fans would be like, all right. You know what I mean? There's a there's a few of those guys out there, aren't there? Yeah, I never thought of that. I mean, Mike Trout out here. Yeah, I mean he can't. I'd pay to I don't see him. Yeah, I, but I don't know if jacking the ticket price because Anaheim is such a mediocre team. Now, <laughs> if the Astros win the World Series, dude, you're spitting no, fire today. No, I'm just saying they have the gr- they have great players, Rendon and and uh, and they're middle uh, of the pack. Yeah, right. What was I going to say? Matsui? That's not right. Shohei. What am I? Otani. What? I know Otani, but I almost said Matsui. I saw a thing on Matsui. I was like, "He's what? what are you Godzilla? Talking about anal fissures? What? Oh, ouch!" Anyway, so uh, yeah, you have Godzilla. Uh, you have Trout and Rendon. I didn't say any of that, but all my point is, they have three really, really good superstar players. I don't know if you can justify jacking the ticket prices for that to get us back on yeah. topic. But if the Astros win the World Series this year with no trash cans, then you have Correa, Bregman, you have the Hart Altuve sign because he's on a, mm-hmm. a sweetheart deal for you know a long term. Oh, him and Bregman. I mean, yeah. yeah. I think if he's cool staying in Houston and his family likes Houston and, you know, he's not a Boris client. That's that's why I asked the question. Mm-hmm. I you know, what's wrong with taking two hundred and fifty million dollars to stay in Houston and yeah. uh jacking the ticket prices up at five dollars a piece, like you said. I mean I yeah, they won the World Series. We love them. I think fans. Here's your. Here's the real answer to your question. I think they'd get over it really quickly. 
I completely agree. Um, you know what people haven't got over quickly, and I know that you probably haven't followed this on Twitter, but uh, I want to ask you a question because Red Sox fans, now nobody within Major League Baseball has said anything, but Red Sox fans are coming up with random-ass, crazy conspiracy theories that the Astros are cheating again because there's a whistle in, this, in, in a 53,000-seat in a stadium. Somebody is whistling, apparently. But uh, do, you, do you think the Astros will ever escape the sign-stealing scandal, or will they forever be thought of as, even if they win, as a team that will do anything to win? Um, I, I, you know, I even Keel Tuttle. I mean, I do. I, I mean, maybe you and I will be in a retirement home. Well, we're you know, a little more logical and about things and, and understand a little yeah. bit more than I think the fanatic yeah. in the world. And it just yeah. it frustrates me to see those stories pop up. To be honest, well, here. So will it ever disappear? Uh, the first thing that comes to mind is like the Belichick thing, right? They still talk about Belichick tape, yep. taping practices secretly, and Deflate Gate comes up every time the Colts and the Patriots play, even though. Peyton Manning and Tom Brady aren't even there anymore. They'll be like, oh, remember when Deflategate and the ball boys? And it's like, I don't know. I mean, with social media and with everything these days, I don't know if that part of it will go away. But, I mean, the fans have to get over it. I mean, we know they're not cheating now. They're more highly scrutinized. It's kind of like taking steroids after you've been popped for steroids, right? Like, you're getting more tested and more scrutinized. And, you know, Tapera came out the other day. This is the answer everybody needs to hear. Oh, how about that? I didn't even know. I didn't, I'm done. That's it. No, I'm but kidding. That's why I kind of put you on the spot because you're going to have a, a logical yeah. answer to it. And yeah. you know that yeah. they're being scrutinized. Yeah, you're getting scrutinized more heavily and people are going to look into what you're doing. So just go out and play the game. But we have said this for the past few years. Last year didn't work out so well, but it was a shortened season. I mean, they're a close-knit group. And I know this does tie to the Correa thing. I mean, I think it would be great if he had the opportunity to come back um, and keep this core together. And I think they have a really good chance to win the World Series mm -hmm. this year. And I didn't say that before because I was still skeptical about their pitching. And that's the one team that this like starter, like reliever yep. stuff has actually worked out for. And I think it's worked out for them because they don't have the Blake Trinans and the, you know, you got to get to Ryan Presley and you got, you know, Fromber was terrible his first start and Dusty took him out too early. And then yesterday he was dominant or the other day he was dominant. So it's like, you know, you kind of don't know what you're getting, but they, they're they the wild card. And I think for them, the way that they've piecemealed the pitching together, for lack of a better word, doesn't put Dusty on the hot seat at all because there is no hot seat. I mean, he doesn't have the horses. He doesn't have the guys. He has he basically has two starters and, you know, and then we're just going to throw everybody else out there, you know, and mm -hmm. I just think... Uh, I just think they're in a really good position. But back to what you were saying before, I mean, they're more scrutinized. I don't know if they'll escape it, but maybe when we're in the retirement home with our walkers, I'm like, hey, Blama, we still doing the podcast. I can't remember. <laughs> we're gonna be like, uh, we're gonna be, we're gonna be like, oh gosh, remember when the Astros in 2017 they were they were hitting trash cans of all things? Like, oh, stupid. Like, yeah. you know, I just, I don't, I don't think it's gonna go away for some. But you know. We've said this before too. What what's the poison saying you said? If you just carry around poison, you know, it might you might kill yourself. I can't remember. It's something about drinking the poison. But you do not need to carry around somebody else's luggage and fans are fanatical. Why would you carry that around for years and years? Mm. Gosh, we would have won three World Series if it wasn't for the blah blah blah. We would have gosh, oh, you know, if it wasn't for the tuck rule, Tom Brady never <laughs> would have been, you know, it's like you could like move on, right? Move on. Oh so gosh, I don't yeah. know if they'll escape it and we'll always have memories. And like you said, maybe cause we're logical. I mean, what, what say you, you're kind of in the, in the cloud I, of it all. I'm just, I mean, it kind of gets brought up on all the broadcasts, but I mean, the Red Sox had the iPad deal, the Apple watch and the Yankees had some stuff, but you know, I yeah. mean, no MLB made the Astros a scapegoat. So it's, it's, it's a lazy and it's, and to your point, well, for me, it's lazy and ignorant because it's lazy because, oh, they're cheating again. That's why they're so good. Instead of the fact that they're actually very talented players. And if you're going to boo and call Carlos Correa a cheater for the time being, guess what you're not going to do if he signs with your team? You're not going to call him a cheater. You're going to be like, dude, this guy's the greatest player ever. So it just, it baffles me. It's just because they have Houston across their chest and it's easy. That's why it's lazy. And the ignorant part yeah. is because of what Tuttle just said. I know for a fact that Major League Baseball has keen eyes on every single team. 
And I also know that every other team on the planet that's playing in the big leagues has cameras everywhere too, and they're trying to manipulate the game to get a better idea of what pitchers are coming. But let's not even think about that because no other team would ever do that. That's right. Just because one team – I mean, one team's doing it, 29 other teams are doing it. But to Tuttle's point, Major League Baseball security, dude, it is it is lights out. They, they are tracking everything that is on every single iPad that is going into that dugout. Major League Baseball, the commissioner, Rob Manfred, Manfraud, whatever you want to call him, has an, a person that specifically knows what's going on every one of those iPads. They have people in the tunnels. They have people in the clubhouses. They have people in the, in the uh, uh, video rooms. Keen eye on everything. That's why it's ignorant. And that's why I think it would be, it, it would be highly suspect if they were actually getting away with anything. And I tell you what, too, if your pitcher's tipping and they're relaying that sign because somebody in the dugout sees your pitcher tipping, guess what? That's life. Make the adjustment. Change the signs. Don't tip. That's it. Yep. And that's not cheating. I mean, that's we well, used to do that stuff all the time. I mean, that's gamesmanship. I mean, that would be like if, you know, that, you know when the running back bad. lines up three – that's right. When the running back lines up here, it's a running play. When he steps in here, it's a passing play. Like you're telling the, the defense you're down, tipping him. I mean, it's like, yeah, there's that's tells. right. Yeah. That, in poker, right. you're telling me in poker, we're going to be like, oh, I can't, I can't use that against him because he, you know, yeah. he picks his left nose every time he has two aces. I mean, come on. Yeah. 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 You got to be able to use it. I'm with you on that. So um, it's, it's the whole thing's challenging. Um, and I will say that I don't know if it's, forgettable or not forgettable but like i said you know we're, we're it's a highly competitive world that they're in and you know um i i wanted to ask again you said correa is going to be the the houston yankees or you know that's something is that the is that kind of the underlying rumor there that that's where he would go well i mean it, it's easy because they have money and the and the market's huge i mean it's just it's an it's yeah. it's more or less just the history of the of the yankees signing yeah. massive free agents so it's it's yeah. an easy it's an easy talking point, but at the same time, who, who's to say that St. Louis won't have the money to sign a guy like him or, right. or yeah. uh, another team that keeps popping up. And I think they just say this to piss everybody off down here in Houston is the Texas Rangers. They, they've got a boatload yeah. of money, but why would you sign with a team that you're going to be the best player on and suck? I mean, that's a very yeah. A-Rod move. Yep. Oh, there you go. <laughs> hater, hater rod. Um, <laughs> Lame rod. You know, uh, Lame, bro. Uh, I was going to say that's really interesting because you brought up uh, the Cardinals, Arenado, Goldschmidt, and Correa. Woo, that's formidable. You would not necessarily have to be the best team. That would be something else. I'm not trying to sell that to the Astros fans. I'm just saying. No, no, no. The other thing is, I wonder, you tell me this. I mean, you moved around. I know you're a utility guy and Towers really liked you. And, mm -hmm. you know, it was Diamondbacks, Padres, Astros, like, you know, White Sox for a time. But, you know, there were teams and groups of guys that embraced you in places that you wanted to be. Um, even if you didn't always have the choice. I wonder if there's still guys, you know, I don't know, Mike Trout signed a long-term deal with Anaheim. Still guys like Correa that would be like, you know what, $300 million to go to the Yankees and those fans are so friggin' obnoxious and they wouldn't forgive us for the, like, would you not go or would you just forget no. it? I mean, is there, are there scruples? I mean, certain guys, that I, I would think that there are, I guess is my point. There's got to be places that you wouldn't go or does your agent and your teammates say, look, you know, this is way too much money to pass up. You're going to, you know, you'd be silly not to and just go and tolerate it because Aaron Boone's a great manager and you're going to play mm -hmm. with Judge and, you know, uh, Stanton and those guys. Like, you you tell me, I mean, is there is there some, because it does affect the NF, NF, uh, the MLBPA too, the Players Association encourages you to maximize these deals, right? No, that's the X factor because you're trying to alter the market. And if you do get that high number, you you – even at, at my, even at my stature in the game, I'm, I was not a high mm -hmm. payroll guy, but I yeah. could, I could, right. I could affect the market for utility guys for sure. So there were there were certain moments when I was negotiating contracts, and and my agent would actually say, "Hold on, the you know the union has kind of stepped in a little bit and said, okay, this is not the, where they want the market to go. Can you?" you know, can we manipulate this or can we make a better decision to try and up the market? So the, the union is the X factor. They'll step in and say, okay, right. we're, we're trying to get X amount of dollars. This is where we want to set the market. You're, you're, the union has an idea of your market value and they want you to get as close to that as they can because it helps other players in the union down the road. Um, so that actually comes into play. But I do think that 
you know, players are humans and they do have to take their emotion, their ego, their brand. I mean, that's a thing that's a, a something nowadays instead of, you know, your brand. Is this good for my brand? Um, and then <laughs> Look you have at to your shirt. About, what do you yeah. mean your brand? What do you mean your brand? I mean, you got to sell out once you're at my level <laughs> status. Let's go. Um, but go to bleacherblums.com and check out the swag that Bleacher Blums has for you. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Um, but, you know, you also have to take into account your family too. You know, it, it's, it's a quality of life in, in moving your family all over the place. You're going to get top dollar. It's just a matter of where do you want to get that top dollar. So I think that does go into play. And I, and trust me when I tell you that, you know, if let's uh, hypothetically, let's just say I reach out and, you know, and, and talk to George Springer, like I'm, Hey man, I'm in my free agent year. How'd it go for you? What was it like? And George says, man, it was awesome. Everybody was giving me numbers. I, I got to pick, basically pick wherever I wanted to go. And they're like, you know, were you, are you happy with your decision? I'm sure there's guys out there that are like, yeah, you know what? The money's great, but I'm not necessarily a big fan of this situation here and whatever. The clubhouse sucks. The stadium sucks. The city sucks. I don't know. You know, and then as a player, you're going, okay, maybe I got to take that into account. And then you're watching Garrett Cole go out there and get <laughs> for 34 million getting booed off the mound. I mean, that do, do you want that kind of scrutiny? I, I would imagine you'd have to take that into account. I would only want to get booed off the mound for like twenty-seven million, not for right. Is there a limit where you're like, you know, "Thank you, be, thank yeah. you, yeah. I'm getting booed"? But guess yeah. what? Thank you, right here, yeah. back pocket. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody said that the other day. Correa shouldn't do the wrist. Like, hey, it's my time. He should just pat his back pocket. It's my time. Because <laughs> like, every every ball he fires across the infield and every oh. home run past the seventh inning, he uh, post game interviews with cha-ching, Brinks, Brinks truck across his. You know, chest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wells Fargo is the sponsor of this interview. <laughs> hey, I do have, I have a cool little thing. This could probably take the place of what I'll Tuttle say. Um, they kept talking about Altuve the other night and that how big that hit was, right? They're down two to one in the eighth inning. That was the hit that really kind of turned these last, the momentum. I texted you. We were talking about texting. Oh, man. Yeah. I said, look, each of these teams that looks like the Red Sox and the Braves have all the momentum, but it just took a Bellinger home run and it just took a, you know, it just took a Bellinger home run and, a, and an Altuve home run late in the game to really switch the momentum. And it reminded me of the NFL where they just talk about it's a week to week thing. Like the momentum's a real thing but it can switch. But the thing that popped into my mind about Altuve, and I really want to hear your thoughts on this, was he was 0 for his last 12 coming up, you know, at that point, I believe they said. But And he had made an error in game one or game two. I remember like a two-base error. Remember he made an error and it was like, oh, that ball, it, it was a tough play. Yeah, but it kind of ate him up. And I remember last year he had some issues, a little throwing issues to first. It was kind of like, mm. Mm. but you know, his deep, but he is Steph Curry. He's Steph Curry because you know what Steph Curry does when Steph Curry's one for 17 throughout the game. They're like, Steph Curry has eight points. He keeps swinging. That dude keeps swinging. And he is, he is, it appears from the outside. He is like, he's unconscious. He doesn't have any doubts. It doesn't look like he's in his own head. He knows he can hit. And guess what? People have underestimated for years and years. I'm five foot six and a half, five foot seven. They don't think I can hit the ball out. Now, granted, I might be able to hit one out during BP into the Crawford boxes, but he comes up against 98 and smokes one. And they just keep showing those red zones and the blue zones. It's like that pitch was right in his wheelhouse. He was O for his last 12. And guess what? Boom. I just took the lead on a, uh, you know, postseason home runs. I'm like third on the list now, and I think he's only behind like Derek Jeter. And no, and, he's tied you know. with Derek Jeter after that home run. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's yeah, I mean, crazy. it's like, yeah. I, oh no, Manny Ramirez is ahead of him, and yeah. Manny played in the playoffs a lot more because he played with all the different teams. You know, they kept. You know, the mm-hmm. Indians were in the playoffs when Manny was young, and the Red Sox when they got older. So, anyway, and Manny's a fantastic hitter. We don't want to take that away from his uh, his uh, estrogen. Yeah, he's going to be a Fox uh, analyst here pretty soon. <laughs> oh, you're right. No, I know I'm joking, but he fits right in. Man, you scared me with that. Of course, he used to have a translator. 20 years in the big leagues, he still has a translator. It's like, really? Yeah. You don't speak English? I mean, we got Correa over here as a wizard, and we had um, somebody else on the other day, and I was like, dude, this guy's awesome. He speaks really, really yeah, good English. a couple English. of guys that have really done a good job of spe- you know, speaking both languages. I've been very impressed with how they've been able to do some of those interviews yeah, it's impressive, you know. Gosh, who was the guy the other night? I, I just I was surprised because I was like, oh my gosh, he didn't. Well, it was need Rosario a did anyway, one the matter. other day for the Braves. Oh. It was really good, but he had a translator. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yuli Gurriel will step up every once in a while. 
I think, but, but for, but to understand why they, I mean, this is totally off topic, but I know, you know, the reason they have those translators because they want, sometimes it can get lost in their idea of saying it in English. So I think they really want to articulate, you know, in this moment on this stage, what they really want to say through a translator. And I, you know, I can't blame them for that. Oh gosh, no, out of context. I can't either, but I, but that's why I was joking. I mean, Manny Ramirez played like 20, I mean, you know, I mean, he, oh, and, if, and if he sat down on this podcast, he would be able to do it in English. He'd be fine easily. I, well, I mean, he grew up. I think he, with the guy. He's he fine. grew up in New York City. Yeah, that was my point. Yeah. He grew up in New York City. So, anyway, no, but Altuve's a beast. Um, Altuve's a beast. So that's what I wanted to ask you. So is he? Is he Steph Curry? Is he just unconscious? I mean, yeah. does he? I know he goes into slumps, but his slumps. You were talking about slumps before. Slumps for me as a pitcher was like. Eh, I got hit around hard last time. I got to nibble a little bit. Maybe I don't have the confidence. Like slumps for Altuve seem to be like, oh, I'm just swinging out of my ass and I'm missing stuff. I'll, I'll get one eventually. Like mm-hmm. he just seems to have a different mentality. And I just didn't know, is he just on that precipice of so supreme confidence and he knows that you know he's going to hit regardless, even if he goes into a slump? Because that, I think, was the biggest hit of the series thus far, obviously, for the Astros. Yeah, no, he, he is the Dory of baseball. Just keep swinging. Just, just keep, keep swinging. Yeah. That's all he. Yeah, that's all he knows. He's making adjustments. You know, don't get me wrong. He's not just out there. You know, taking porn hacks and doing yeah. whatever he wants. He's actually got an idea <laughs> of what he's doing, and that's what kind of cracked me up. Going back to the Red Sox, thinking about sign stealing. They one of the guys they talked about was Jose Altuve. The dude hit a first pitch fastball. Do you know how many first pitches this guy has swung at in his career? Like sixty percent. I mean, this guy's off the charts. Yeah. He steps in. He is ready to swing immediately, and he guessed yep. right, got his foot down at the right time, barreled it up, and shot it out of the ballpark. And he's been doing it for years, pre signs, post sign. I mean, the guy—that's what this guy does. And to your point, you know what? A you know, I think it was Reggie Miller that did the same thing. He's like, "What do good shooters do? They shoot. You know, they don't hesitate. They shoot. They continue to shoot." And the idea, I think, is, you know. The next one I hit might be the one that sets me on a tear and puts me on a streak. That's why you continue to shoot. But there's an expectation on Steph Curry. There's an expectation on Altuve that they are going to be the guy that propels this team or catapults them or, you know, sparks them. And if they stop swinging, guess who else stops swinging or stops shooting? Everybody else behind them. So I think they understand that they have a responsibility to be the guy who takes the shot or takes the swing and comes up with that big hit, big shot. Yeah, but that was big. So I, you know, the momentum has swung in both these series, and you know, for a minute it looked like it could be a Red Sox, uh, a Red Sox uh, Brave series, and now it's certainly looking a lot more like the Astros. I still, I still give the Braves a chance, but that's, I guess, my undying love for the Giants and hatred for the Dodgers. But uh, you know, the Braves need to pull one of these games out as we head back to Atlanta. But uh, it's going to be great to see the Astros back in the World Series, and if their offense can continue to to pepper the bullpen, um, which is what they've been doing, then uh, mm-hmm. then you know maybe we'll have a champagne celebration here shortly. Shortly, Gosh, yeah. My- I agree. The, the Astros kind of surprised me too, coming back using the bullpen, getting some big hits. Two games now, just to, they got to win one of two in Minute Maid Park. They should be able to pull that off and go to the World Series. I desperately want the Braves to go because yes, I do not like the Dodgers, and I also uh, I don't know how many people know this, but Brian Snicker, the manager of the Braves, his son is the hitting coach for the Houston Astros, Troy Snicker. So I want to see the Snicker, Snicker family, you know, with the half Jersey, half Braves, half Astros, and have that kind of fun story. But I also like the fact that it kind of harkens back to the old school idea of the World Series where you play a team that you haven't seen all year long and you have that matchup where you're trying to figure each other out. So uh, it, that could be a lot of fun just seeing the Braves, Astros. Uh, yeah, and it, the other thing, too, it, it would really make Major League Baseball upset knowing those two teams are in the World Series and not the Yankees, Red Sox, Dodgers. I think that would be great. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm pulling for that, too, for a couple of reasons. I want to hear you say Snicker 10 times fast again. That's yeah. not easy. Well, Snicker, I mean, Snicker, Snicker, Snicker. And the <laughs> Yeah, that'll be great. They probably never heard that one before. Um, um, snicker, uh, snicker. I can't even say snicker. So there you go. It's it's going to be a struggle. But like you said, that those family reunions are great. And I love that you brought up the jersey because they probably someone's at home stitching that together right now. <laughs> grandma, grandma, we're gonna we're gonna get this organized. We're gonna have the, but uh, but it's it's kind of the Braves' turn. I mean. Uh, Freddie Freeman is only behind Mike Trout and OPS since like 2015 or something like that. I mean, Freddie Freeman 
was a pretty highly t- no statistics. Tune in for the statistics of the Bleacher Blums podcast. Can hit though, man. But they can rake, and you know they're kind of making Duval sound like he came off the scrap heap, and you know Lamont Wade sort of did. But I mean, these guys are big league ball players. They know that exactly what they're doing. And Rosario, I mean, you know, two years ago before injury was like a superstar, and the Braves took a chance on him. And look at that guy. I mean. I think more people, uh, this was the buzz yesterday, as you know, more people wanted that ball to hit to the top of the fence so he could be the first guy to hit a second guy to hit a cycle in postseason baseball. <laughs> so he gets 12 total bases. Like, damn it, I hit a home run. I was trying to hit it a little lower. Like, son of a... Good stuff. So anyway, boy, we started late. We're on fire, Blummer. We're on fire. Yep. No, it's been good, man. We always appreciate it. Uh, bringing that fire. You were fired up. We got that. We may have gotten Tuttle off that even keel. Got them a little spiced up with some umpires and and and, and <laughs> antics like that. But uh, at the end of every podcast, we always want to shout out to uh, the military, all the veterans, all of those current active duty members that are in the military. We greatly appreciate you and uh, wish you all the best and and for your safety and well being as you protect the homeland and give us the opportunity to speak freely here at home. All the frontline workers, all the essential workers, all the first responders, everybody putting themselves in harm's way to get us through this daily life that we call this random ass new normal. We appreciate you. And Tuttle, I know you've got uh, a little bit of of, of a sign off of your own that you're going to continue to start doing here on Bleacher Blums. Yeah, that's right. So, of course, uh, teachers as well. We we don't want to forget oh, them. Oh, dude, but, uh, big time. The, teachers, the, we love you. Yeah, there you go. But but the new normal is so funny. I don't know how long. How are we going to, when are we, when are we going to go back to just saying normal? Because the new normal is here to stay, I believe. Um, but we, of course, um, encourage you if you're uh, over the age of 45, uh, please uh, get screened for colorectal cancer. And on the Bleacher Blums podcast, we always like to leave you with, you got to get after it and believe it. Believe it. Believe it.